We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters. From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre. Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire. A Giants fan since day one, now preaching to the choir. Joined by Nick Filato, breakdowns with bravado. Passing you the facts like he passes on gelato. From just outside New York, a couple football dorks. A killer podcast when Dan says receiver corpse. They do the play-by-play, dropping almost every day. These experts know the X and O's just like Danny O'Shea. They do the review of the All-22, dissecting every throw. O.C.U. Minora lit up in Venora when he was a guest on the show. So there you have it, a podcast for Giants fans who are rabid, who can't wait for Sundays, the NFC East, the Fantasy League standings. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue Banter. All right, welcome back to the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato, and playing us in for the first time in Big Blue Banter history that was Benny Brosh on the new intro. That's B-E-N-I, Benny Brosh. Check out his website, BennyBrosh.com. He's not a rapper, but he did a rap for us. He's an incredible Americana folk artist. You can find him on Spotify. Take a look at his music there. He did a really good job for us. We love that intro. I gave him like a little bit of notes. He's one of my best friends going back all the way back to elementary school. Actually, that was the guy, by the way, and his girlfriend, and Claire, shout out Claire, who I visited a few weeks ago in New ha- in uh, actually in Massachusetts and eventually Vermont for that devastating camping experience that led to a collapsing tent, pouring rain, zero time spent outdoors on a camping trip. And that was Benny Brosh, my boy Ben, good friend of mine. Let us know what you think of the intro if you enjoyed it. We think it's funny. We think it's fun. Got some inside jokes in there we think you guys will like, but you let us know. You'll be hearing a lot of it moving forward. But today, we are going to talk Giants training camp, a little bit of news and notes, going to talk some overarching thoughts on topics that are going around, such as, you know, Daniel Jones. What's going on with Daniel Jones? I read one report from Art Stapleton that he looks good. I read another from Dan Dugan that he hasn't looked that good. And then another from Paul Schwartz. These look really bad. So it's kind of all over the place. What do we make of that? We're also going to talk about Saquon Barkley. Shane is imminence coming off the pup list. The Giants with an announcement about a player number who they're going to retire this season. I'm excited for that one, by the way. And we're going to talk a little bit about potential depth pieces they could add, and the uniform reveal, because the Giants will have new uniforms for 
half their games this year, and then they're going to have some other interesting notes with their uniforms. So we're going to get to all that. Let's start with the big news at the top. Saquon Barkley removed from the pup list, practiced with the Giants for the first time this training camp after you know a recent report we read from Ian Rappaport that said, hey, look, this guy's not going to play until week three, right? This guy might not play until week three. What did I tell you guys? What did I tell you, boys and girls? I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. And yes, he's not full go yet. And, you know, Joe Judge said something after practice that was funny. He's like, Saquon is pushing me to do these individual drills. I'm like, no, 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 no. We have a plan. We take it slow. But he's back, and he's in uniform. I saw him in uniform. It was cool to see that. And I saw him cutting. I saw him planting and then exploding. That's really key. Catching a wheel pass. Oh, the wheel route was pretty slow motion to me. It was a pretty (laughs) nothing. But I did like to watch a drill where I saw him plant and cut. So... What do you make of that? Barkley back in the mix a little earlier than expected. We thought that this was going to happen. We just weren't 100% sure when he would be actually activated off the pup. And you're right, I think it might be actually a little bit earlier than we maybe initially expected. But we thought he was going to be available for week one. I mean, a full go Barkley is going to be great for this offense. I mean, Jason Garrett is Jason Garrett. He had the unimaginative 2020 offense. I mean, we, we've kind of beaten this dead horse how many times, Dan? <laughs> but the offensive line did hold him back, and if he had Saquon Barkley, maybe they would have been a little bit more explosive because towards the end of the season, the offensive line was actually opening up some holes. I think the offensive line is a much better run-blocking team than they are a pass-blocking team. And, I mean, in the NFL these days, you're probably not going to win if you don't have a solid, at least solid offensive line in terms of pass protection, and this team does not, or at least they did not last season. But now Saquon Barkley can get to that second level in this gap power type of scheme on those counter plays that we talk so extensively about he makes one man miss Saquon Barkley's gone I mean he's much he's just a much different breed than someone like a Wayne Gallman and obviously Alfred Morris and I mean it it just uh I miss watching him play out there Dan I miss seeing 26 out there I think all Giant fans miss it and it's just welcome to see him back and it seems like he's I mean he's not gonna play in the Jet game but didn't Judge allude to him possibly seeing preseason at some point Yeah, he did allude to that, and I don't think it's going to be totally out of question because it's reasonable because when you have a guy this removed from an injury and also coming off the ACL, a lot of the times you ask these athletes when they're coming off the ACL, like, what's the, you know, what's the big thing for you? What do you need to feel? What do you need to see? And they always kind of say the same thing, Nick. It always seems to me they're like, I just have to get the confidence back, you know? It's like a mental hurdle more than anything else. So I think get him in a little bit in the preseason, not much, obviously, don't get him in much. Get him in for a few live snaps where he can plant, he can cut, he can run a route, he could pass block maybe once or twice if he needs it, hopefully not too much. I don't think we actually need him pass blocking in the preseason. I take that back. But, you know, just get the feel for live hitting again. And so I don't think it's out of the question at all. I think we might see that for sure. Yes, and Judge actually came out and he said, we're not going to put him in 11-on-11 or 7-on-7 at this point right now, but as we keep building him up, we'll really kind of start to get his body into the volume of practice, the pace of the practice of the players out there. More football drills will come. Yep, no doubt about it. And also with regards to this, I do think the exciting part about Barkley's return isn't only just, you know, can Garrett and can this offense utilize him on those wheel routes, on those Texas routes out of the backfield. But more importantly, to me at least, Nick, and you made mention of this, it's what's the ceiling for Saquon Barkley in a different blocking system, in one that is more predominantly power and gap. And yes, they mix in zone, but their best play is a power gap concept. And ultimately, this is a running back who had his best numbers in my mind 
running behind this system at Penn State. Like, yes, he had unbelievable numbers for the Giants in 2018. A lot of those were based on his explosive plays. He had nine plays of 40-plus yards. And he was running in a system totally not fit for him. I mean, Pat Shermer was slamming inside zone down everyone's throat at an incredible rate. I mean, this guy was not mixing and matching with Hal Hunter in the mix, arguably the worst offensive line coach I've ever seen coach the Giants. And now he finally gets that opportunity. And that's what's so exciting to me about Barkley 2021. It's not Galladay in the mix to take away guys. It's not really that much of an improved offensive line because yes the run blocking is probably around better I guess it's like better than what he's had I wouldn't say it's too much better than what he's had but it's really the system it's the scheme that I really like the idea I know he had it last year but he you know needs to and this I don't know if it's going to happen pop week one Nick you can be a better judge of that but I would say or you know you can let me know how you feel about that but I would say that by week six seven eight range he's starting to feel it he's starting to understand his block he's starting to read him better and he's starting to get the timing down in that system and that's what I'm really excited for especially if the defense is playing a little bit more to eliminate Saquon right. Barkley and then Daniel Jones actually takes this step to make the defense pay and then force that defense to not be allowed to do that that's huge and you're right man I mean I feel like there are a little bit of differences between zone running backs and power gap running backs, and it's not always discussed. And they're not like huge differences, but I feel like typically with zone schemes, it's much more of a lateral type of scheme where you have to kind of really trust your vision and your and have decisive decision making, which is something I feel like Barkley struggled with a little bit early on in his career. Whereas in these power gap, there's one defined hole. And yes, you can look for cutbacks and stuff like that, but you're majorly looking to follow your blocks and hit that one defined hole. And that's where like athletic ability burst and those things mm. are so important. That's the type of running back Saquon Barkley is. I mean, I think he could have success wherever, but if you want to maximize him, I think this kind of scheme may be the type of scheme that can maximize a play like Saquon Barkley with power gap where it's a much more kind of downhill type of running right. style. And that's kind of what Saquon Barkley can do. Yes, in college, he would kind of bounce everything outside, but that was just because he was so such a better athlete than everybody else he literally would just outrun people to the edge and then just go but if you get him moving downhill with good blocking put him in the alley against one safety coming downhill and have him make that guy miss run through him do Saquon Barkley type stuff to him that's something I'm looking forward to seeing yeah and you mentioned it like last year the Giants had Wayne Gallman who ended up looking pretty good in this system and then he was signed immediately by the 49ers who run a completely different system a zone system and they probably signed him because they feel like his best fit is in that system and I don't think they're wrong I think for Goldman style he is a better fit and yet he still found success I would say his best season from my mind on a per rush basis behind the system because a the run blocking was a little bit better like we mentioned I mean Lemieux played well at a run blocker and obviously Zeitler did all did all right and Andrew Thomas started to get better as well in that regard and just overall I felt like there's they just were a much better overall run blocking team in that system versus the inside zone system. So I am excited about this fit with Barkley a lot. That doesn't even touch on what he could potentially do for them in the passing game. Um, We'll get to more of that later, obviously, as well. Let's talk a little bit, Nick, about something else going on in Giants camp right now. And before we do that, though, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, Nick, a lot of talk in training camp right now about Daniel Jones. Paul Schwartz said he's had a bad camp. I think he said that on WFAN on a radio spot there last night, I believe. Um, we're recording this on a Monday. I think Dan Dugan said it's been up and down, mostly down. And then I think Art was like, it's been pretty okay. Like it hasn't been that bad. What do you make all this? Is does any of this matter right now when there's no, like, let's just, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to give you any conjecture here and flood your, I want to hear your unfiltered, undaltered thoughts. What do you make of this talk right now? Well, one thing's for certain. It doesn't seem like Daniel Jones is blowing everybody away right now it doesn't seem like he's really seizing the moment and kind of being like look i'm mastering this system he's still making some mistakes mm-hmm. but he's also taking some risk he's getting used to using a lot of these new weapons guys like john ross kenny galladay went down that's unfortunate we haven't seen kyle rudolph out there quite yet and we haven't seen saquon barkley in uh team drills quite yet either i don't make a ton of it but it's not positive news if if you can go with that i mean the defense is going to be a good defense defense has a lot of continuity the offense doesn't necessarily have that right now i would love for him i would love for them there to be glowing you know reports coming out of camp about daniel jones right now but that's not happening but at the same time how many times i mean you play fantasy where they're glowing reports about a quarterback in training camp gets into the season and then he just falls on his face so you got to take some of this stuff with a grain of salt i wish i was there to really watch it all but i mean these beat reporters they do an excellent job breaking it all down but we are kind of getting a mixed bag at this moment so i'm kind of just gonna wait and see and see if what he does in these preseason games evaluated from there yeah i think that's totally fair nick i think my take is the same one i said on twitter and listen at this time of year the beats are are you know paid to do a job they're gonna have to report on jones every single day even if some of these days are light seven on sevens like we saw today that really aren't much of a simulation in my mind of anything you're going to see on Sundays, they're still going to have to report on. They're still going to have to put the stats out on what he completed, what he didn't complete, all that. But I'm not going to make too much of it. And the reason why is the same thing I posted on Twitter this morning, Nick, which is the only thing I, when, when it comes to Daniel Jones, what we need to see there, we kind of know what we have already when it comes to the arm talent. It's a solid arm that's doable but not going to get you out of trouble it's not going to get you out of tight he's not going to be able to fire balls through tight windows in the intermediate and short range we saw it i think somebody tweeted me and kudos to this listener i don't have your name here i'm sorry about that tweeted me the next gen stats of jones's velocity and it was below average on everything from zero to 20 and also his rating was below average there over the top where he throws a nice touch ball on those 20 plus yard passes down the field he was in the green there he was above average there so 
What you get from him is, from an arm standpoint, I don't think that's changing much. But what you need to see is the mental standpoint progress tenfold. I mean, he needs to, right now he's one of, in my mind, one of the, not worst, but lower tier mental processors in the NFL. He needs to become an upper tier processor. If he's ever going to be, in my mind, a Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Giants, he has to become an upper tier mental processor. Why? You say, what about Eli? Well, Eli had arm talent. Eli could rip the ball and people forget this about Eli. He had a lot of velocity on his passes. The reason he was a number one overall pick had a lot to do with his arm talent. He could put the ball in a lot of different spots. That Mario Manningham throw, I don't think Daniel Jones will ever be able to make a throw like that Manningham Super Bowl throw. That throw had velocity and ball placement and it was 45 yards down the field. Not many quarterbacks can make that throw. So Jones needs to become a big processor, but that we're not going to see any of that, Nick, I don't think, until the regular season. Like even you say the preseason, he gets snaps there. Will we see it there? No, not really. Because remember Jones during his first preseason, he looked phenomenal out there because during the preseason defensive coordinators aren't doing much post snap they're not shifting safeties around they're not they're not bluffing looks and then showing up because they don't want to waste it for the regular season so i just can't make much of the jones stuff until the regular season i feel like we need a full all 22 game film on his performance against the broncos before i start thinking anything really about jones yeah so it's wait and see at this moment and hope for the best hope that this offensive line can hold up hope that this team adds some offensive linemen to be honest because i feel like that depth is just incredibly problematic at the moment and hope that jason garrett and you know freddie kitchens and everybody else they brought in can be just a little bit more creative from a passing standpoint if the offensive line gets better i think that'll help garrett that'll help jones and i mean it's weird, man. We talk a lot about this, dude, but like who who is the what is the most important what would be the most important reason for one of for for this Giants offense in 2021 to take that next step? Is it Jones, Garrett, or this offensive line? Cuz they're all contingent on each other. And if you had to nail one down, I guess I would probably say Daniel Jones, but I mean, that offensive line, like if Daniel Jones is still like, you know, say an adequate to a solid starter somebody that is not gonna be the reason you win but somebody you 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 can kind of win in spite of if that offensive line takes that next step i think you could still win in this league but probably not take it to the next level but still probably win possibly win this division so would daniel jones be your your choice as well it would be jones i think it would go in the order for me jones then garrett then the offensive line last the offensive line being the least important i mean you look at some examples justin herbert last year that chargers offense line was decimated by injuries and was playing terrible football and herbert still broke the rookie record by far for passing touchdowns lit it up week after week i think it was 31 touchdowns he didn't even start the season so a great quarterback can overcome a bad offensive line. But I will say this, he also had a pretty solid coordinator. It was a nice fit for him. He used a very vertically attacking system that perfectly fits Herbert's skill set. He had a lot of easy to find reads for Keenan Allen, who gets open quick underneath, has a little safety blanket for Herbert, and he even used Hunter Henry a little bit in that way as well. It's nice to find reads for him. Which is so funny too, because Austin Eckler, he might be like the number one guy that like weapon other than maybe Keenan Allen that comes to your mind with that Chargers mm-hmm. team. He was out the majority of the season. And then right. you have big play Mike Williams he was kind of just erratic and still with guys like Jalen Guyton and players like that Justin Herbert was able to throw 31 touchdowns yeah Jalen Guyton they had like a lot of undrafted guys in that receiver core after Keenan who by the way also was hurt for a little while so I mean just can't speak anymore about how impressed I was with Justin Herbert it's hard to even talk about Herbert, Nick, because if the Giants had a little bit more patience, they would have Herbert on their roster right now, and I don't even know the level of excitement I would have going into the season with Herbert as the quarterback, because, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's sky-is-a-limit type excitement. But, again, I would say to answer your question, Jones first, then Garrett, because you still need a great coordinator. Like, I still think the Chargers were doing a good job calling plays there and running a system there. That's important. 
but offensive line would be last even though it is super important it doesn't mean it's not important just out of those three things it would definitely be the and that they're, all of these are kind of i would i think it's fair to say they're all question marks right now yeah that's that's not a comforting feeling no and, it's crazy too they've built such a good roster with the exception of offensive line quarterback and co- and coach and offensive coordinator and yet those three things mean so much for one side of the ball that it it, do- it almost negates it doesn't negate but it almost takes a little bit away from all the work they've done to improve corner all the work they've done to improve safety all the work they've done to improve edge adding blake in the middle having galladay in that crew receiver and the tight end depth which is not so bad either plus barkley there's so many good things about this roster but when you have questions at quarterback coordinator and offensive line a lot of that a lot of times you see that stuff not matter at all i mean the broncos were last year were an excellent example of that yeah, and the Broncos are also an excellent example last year. The Broncos and Steelers. Who? What do we talk about coaches? We talk about offensive lines so long. We were you know, pounding the table about how bad Hal Hunter was. And then we, we thought Mark Colombo could kind of stabilize. That didn't work out because personalities seemed to not mesh. But think about Mike Munchak. The Steelers' offensive line was always good with Mike Munchak. Mike yeah. Munchak goes to Denver. Denver's offensive line goes up. Garrett Bowles becomes a, a really, really good tackle, and the Steelers' right. offensive line goes down. So if Rob Sale, because there, there's no position group in football that is that relies on cohesiveness and continuity more than the offensive line. The only one that is maybe in the running would be the secondary, I would say. But the offensive line is definitely one that just relies on that cohesion and Hopefully Rob Sale can help build that, but you still need the talent, and that's still the question mark right now with this offensive line. Yeah, and you nailed it because the night and day that you see from that Steelers offensive line with and without Callahan and that Broncos offensive line, with, but then it also happened in another spot. I'm sorry, that was with Munchak. It, I was going to say, it also happened in another spot in Cleveland. Cleveland's offensive line was not very good despite having a lot of talent two years ago. Last year, they became the best offensive line in the NFL, number one across the board, anyone's rankings, on the field, guys ask them and that's because bill callahan entered there and i remember saying last offseason pay bill callahan anything mm-hmm. you want giants pay mike munchak anything you want the broncos made munchak the highest paid offensive line coach I'm sure the browns did something similar with callahan these guys make such a difference giants can't make that mistake again when one of these guys hits the market they need to sign him next time because the giants never cared about paying coordinators mara will spend he spent on patrick graham this offseason when graham got hot he will. He's willing to spend on assistant coaches. I mean, look at the staff Joe just put together. It's a bunch of like former head coaches that require big salaries. I'm sure bigger than most position coaches. Mara said, "Sign them all. I don't care. Hire." I think the Giants have one of the biggest coaching staffs they've ever had. So they're not afraid to spend. Next time one of these elite offensive line coaches hit the market, and there's only like two or three of them left in the NFL. Just pay them. Make sure you lock them up. Get these guys in the mix. Hopefully they did it the natural way, I should say, or the organic way. And just finding a beast like Rob Sale, maybe he'll just we'll, we'll get lucky, and it's like finding a Slayton fifth round pick type of thing where you just get a great offensive line coach. But don't even put it to 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 you know luck or chance or scouting. Next time one of these proven guys hits the market, just sign him. Yes, a hundred percent. They're or higher is the right word. They're just invaluable, dude. Yes, they they really are. You can't put a value on that, and they can really just take your team to the next level. So hopefully Sale can be that, like you said. Couple other news and notes. Shane is imminent, also off the pup list. That's good news for the Giants. I think they need depth at edge. Remember, we saw last week there were some interesting guys. I'll use that term, playing edge for the Giants. We don't want that. The Giants will also retire. Michael Strahan's number 92 this year. That's great news. Gotta love to read that. I love Strahan. No one's obviously used that number. But yeah, yeah. He, that was it. Was inevitable. It was yeah. going to happen. Michael Strahan's an absolute. Just he's a New York Giant through and through. He's one of my favorite players of all time behind Easy. Eli. I don't know. It's either. It, there's a lot of people in the mix, but 
Strahan for sure, Tuck for sure. Those would be two of my... Eli's the easy 1-1 one, one for me, my favorite giant ever. No, I don't think anyone will ever top that, but Strahan, Tuck, probably the 1-2, one, 1-3 one, for me. Yeah, that's that's a podcast maybe in the future. Name yeah, our, name, name our favorite giants. And just to touch on the Zimenez uh, yeah. uh, point that you made, it seemed like Joe Judge was talking about like how excited he was to kind of get him back. Do you think that's kind of coach speak? Talks about how hard of a worker Zimenez is. He knows he's itching to get back on the field, and they're really, really excited to have him. I mean, that's kind of good to hear from a Zimenez perspective just because this wasn't the coaching staff that selected him. Yeah, good point. That's what we've talked about all offseason, like, Will Zimmerman's be a roster bubble guy because he wasn't drafted by this regime? Well, that's probably good evidence to show that maybe he won't be because Joe Judge is going to put first. He's not worried about if if you drafted him or not. He's going to put first the hardest workers, guys who fit his culture and system first. And now he has a chance to prove himself, but he has to stay healthy. It's been a long road for O'Shane. He was injured most of last season. Wash. His second year, basically a wash. Um, so this is a big year for him. He has to prove himself. And in Betcher's scheme, though, I mean, we came away from his rookie season thinking, like, this guy's a player right here. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't great against the run. It's something that you can always see on film. I wouldn't say he's inept at playing the run, but in Patrick Graham's system, you do need to be able to set an edge or just be able to continue to spill running backs, horizontal paths outside to other defenders. And he has to be able to master that. But as a situational pass rusher, I mean, I don't think we've ever questioned his ability because of that yeah. quickness, how fast he fires his hands and he has an array of moves that he can go to he has counter moves knows how to string them together knows how to set up tackles and he showed all that back in 2019 yeah no doubt about it he could be a sleeper to make a bigger impact than people expect this year all right let's talk about a little other news the giants will be changing their jerseys up a little bit their uniforms i love this nick they're going two weeks this year with the color rush unis which i freaking love i love those old school color rush unis that'll be weeks 11 and 12 they're also going to go to now half their games, all or more than half. I think they have one extra road game this year. They're going with white pants now instead of the gray for the road games. I like that too, Nick, so I'm two for two there. Then they also have a 10th anniversary Super Bowl tribute uniform for week six against the Rams. So three for three, great job, Giants. I love everything here. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, all they have to do now, and I'm going to take so much crap for this, is bring back the red jerseys, bro. Ugh, why well, do you like those yeah, red jerseys? I don't jerseys? know, man. I don't know, but it goes back to— I don't to, hate them, but I don't like them. goes back to when I was a kid. Like for, the Shockey in the red? Is that how you remember? Shockey? And honestly, I had a Jabril Wilson red jersey whoa. when I was a kid, right? Yeah, it's a big Number whoa. 28? I believe so. I wow, believe Jabril so. Jabril Wilson. Yes. Wow. Yes, and I had a Plaxico Burris, number 17. red. I just loved the red jersey, so that, that was the one that I would get when I was— when I was young. I missed Jabril Wilson. I remember Jabril Wilson when he signed with the Raiders after the Super Bowl. I was devastated. All downhill after that. And then what happened to him? Yeah, that's, I mean, the Giants sold high, I guess. And then Kavika Mitchell, too. I mean, he mm. ended up leaving and didn't really hear too much from him. But talk about just coming in. You know, he was something we would have talked about on the podcast. We would have been like, oh, yeah, we signed this Kavika Mitchell guy right. from Buffalo. Oh, yeah, he's a star player. Yeah. But he had a big impact that year. Huge impact. He was the A-gap blitzer that Spags used to love oh, yeah. to run. And that was so fun to watch. But yeah, those are the jerseys. Maybe you'll get your red at some point, Nick. I don't know. Time will tell. I'm a big white jersey guy, though, too. I think that's really sweet. Yes, especially the... I like the white with the white pants. I definitely like that. I like it better than the gray pants. Gray pants, I never really understood. Yeah. Well, I didn't, like, not the, a I didn't like the gray pants at all. Don't hate them, but I'm just like, eh, just go white out, you know? I didn't like the red trim with you. Also, a little bit of breaking news that actually just came in as we're recording this right now. The Giants have released Ryan Anderson, so mm. long, uh, short stay for him. Short stay, yeah. yeah. 
And that's somebody that we had hopes that would possibly make this roster as an edge setter, somebody who's mm-hmm. not going to offer a lot in terms of rushing the passer. He's just not really athletically up to snuff to be a third down type of guy. All this sacks basically in his career, if you go back and watch him, and I broke this down for uh, Sports Illustrated and Big Blue View, a lot of them are hustle sacks. A lot of them are the pocket was uh, broken and Carson Wentz was running around like a chicken with his head cut off and then Ryan Anderson right. just kind of met him. <laughs> like Those were a lot of his sacks and they ended up significantly the Washington football team investing in the edge position with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. He basically didn't play at all in 2020. Thought he could possibly have an impact here a la Kyler Fackrell, but now he's gone. That could also be a a good look, step in the right direction for O'Shane Zimenez's exactly. chance to crack this roster. I think that's what it says. I think it says more, more about Zimenez since it happened exactly the same day O'Shane got pulled off the pup than anything else. I think you said it best. Anderson, I actually liked him at Bama, like way back. I thought he was an interesting prospect, but never developed a pass rushing skill set, which is weird because I thought he had it. I thought he had potential to be that way when I liked him at Bama. So he's done. They have enough depth there at this point, I think. I remember I was working with Ledyard at ITP, mm. or we were like doing stuff together. And I remember he said that Ryan Anderson wasn't athletic at Alabama. And Anderson like quote tweeted him and like called him like a Star Wars nerd or something like that. <laughs> and it was like something so funny that we used to talk about. <laughs> and it's so like if anybody doesn't know, like Ledyard's like a he's like a big dude who like definitely like used to play like football and mm. is like like a, a, he's a good athlete, you yeah. know. So it was like really funny that he got called a Star Wars nerd by Ryan Anderson Star during the draft Wars process. Nerd John Ledyard. <laughs> I like that. All right, one other piece of news or notes or whatever you want to call it. Sam Beal did mention today that, you know, part of his legal issues off the field were part of the reason why he opted out last season. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know too much about any of that. You know, that's just relatively new news. But now we have a reason as to why he ended up opting out. So good for... uh Good for the Giants to get him back. Let's see if he actually makes this roster. I don't know, man, with Darius Williams just absolutely bawling right. out. That that cornerback room is going to be a tough one to crack for a player like Sam Beal, who's virtually done nothing his entire New York Giants career. Yep, no doubt. All right, we're going to wrap up the show with a question from the listener. We would do more, but you guys aren't leaving them. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Write a question in that review. Anything you want to know. We'll answer it on the show like we're about to do. We're also going to talk a little bit about a culinary experience that Nick and I just shared. But we'll do that after the question, of course. Let's start with Craig T. Two, one, or one, two, one, two. He says, if you go back in time, you get to go to 2019, hmm. and you get to go to the 2020 NFL Draft. Would you still take Daniel Jones at 6, Dexter Lawrence at 17, and Andrew Thomas at 4? Nick, I'll let you start with this. This is an excellent question right here, and I would probably maintain the same things that I was saying back in 2019, which was I would select Josh Allen, the Kentucky outside linebacker, edge type of player who had a phenomenal senior season. A lot of people knew he had all the traits and the physical profile to be a good player, and then he stayed in school, ended up going back to, or he stayed in school, ended up just absolutely dominating in his senior season and kind of putting his intriguing skill set together. I would have went with him at seven personally. As for Dexter Lawrence, I know a lot of people bash that pick. I wouldn't have been overly opposed to it, and I still think I would be fine with it at that juncture, to be honest. If not him, I would have possibly went with someone like Andre Dillard, who has not really lived up to it at all with the Eagles. Granted, he tore his Achilles last year, but I liked him coming out of the draft. And I'll even do number 30 for you. It would not have been DeAndre Baker, despite popular 
belief. But I think Eldon Jenkins, Mississippi State center, that would have been an excellent way to really solidify your interior offensive line. Really liked him coming out. I know Brandon Thorne was also really, really high on him as well. And he's just been great for the Green Bay Packers. But to go to 2020, if we didn't take a quarterback in this draft, say for whatever reason, say if they wanted to ride it out with Eli Manning again, I would go Justin Herbert at four. <laughs> and the tackle position would look a little bit different right now. But say that we're not going to include Herbert. I think going with someone like Jedrick Will, somebody I really liked, Makai Becton or Tristan Wirfs over Andrew Thomas. I mean, I, I, I felt like Andrew Thomas was the safer pick in the sense that he could play the right and the left side and he kind of says all the right things. And that's what the Giants are kind of looking for. But on the football field, it, it hasn't necessarily kind of come to fruition quite yet. So I would probably just, I don't know, looking back, hindsight 2020, you know, I might look at, and I'm not going to say Tristan Wirfs because I think that's the easy answer right now. But that's the right end. Why would it, you not say it? You have a time machine. You could do whatever you want. I guess it, uh, <laughs> oh, this is a time machine. Yeah, okay. this is the time See, machine. See, I was based on what I was, no, no, this is my rankings from, yeah. oh, okay. So from a time machine, then it would easily be Tristan Wirfs. Okay. Everything I know now, yeah, but, I would, you know now. but honestly, it would be Justin Herbert. Yeah, but then right. I don't know if the Giants are as crap. I mean, they probably would have been as crappy. The roster wasn't that great, so would they have had the fourth overall pick? So what's the butterfly effect of them not <laughs> selecting Daniel Jones? No, you have to just assume yeah. that you get. And the if same that's the pick. case, see, I was kind of going off rankings too. I wanted to be like genuine like that or whatever. Then I'm looking way down the list at some guys who just really broke out. You know, you have guys like DK Metcalf and and just dudes who were just absolutely phenomenal. But I, to simplify it, I'd go with Josh Allen. I think I'd still go with Dexter Lawrence and then Justin Herbert at four. Yeah, this is a great question, by the way, Craig. I love this question. I'm going to answer it two ways for you. I'm going to do the hindsight way, the time machine way, but also what I was thinking at the time, just in case people weren't with us at the time. So let's start with the 2019 draft. As me and Nick have both made public multiple times throughout this podcast, neither of us had a first-round grade on Daniel Jones. Neither of us definitely had a top-five grade on Daniel Jones. None of us had a top-ten grade on him. We both had mid-seconds on him. We would have definitely not taken him at six overall then from what I've seen now. So let's start with what I would have done then. What I would have done then was taken Josh Allen. I thought if somehow, some way, Josh Allen could slip to number six overall, the Giants got an absolute steal. He might have been the best player in the class. I was loving it. When he did slip to six overall, I was like, yes, the Giants hit it. They're going BPA. And then, you know, the report came out. They went Daniel Jones. It was shocking. Um, now, hindsight-wise, I have my time machine and I'm going back, I would have trusted myself and who I actually loved. Yes, default, I had Josh Allen as my edge one in that class, but there was a player I loved in that class who I thought had a ceiling that might have been better than Josh Allen's, and from what I've seen from both of them so far in the NFL this year, I'm sorry, the NFL these first two seasons, I'd rather have the other player, and that's Brian Burns, who I finished when I did my 24-7 sports rankings. This is my last top 100 overall for the Giants. I think I had him either number six overall or number eight overall, one of those two rankings. I loved Brian Burns. He eventually ultimately went to the to the Panthers one pick before the Giants selected Dexter Lawrence at 17, um, and I would have just loved to have him right now on this roster. He's just such he's such an explosive edge. Now, injuries have been a problem for him. Maybe Josh Allen's still better long-term. But I think hindsight, it's one of those two, and I'm going to go with Brian Burns. Now, next pick, 17 overall. At the time, 
I really wanted Andre Dillard. I thought this was going to be a steal for the Giants, this left tackle falling. I love watching this kid. His feet were so smooth and quick, man. Yes, he played in the Pac-12, which is not great for going against top edges, but when you watched him run that short shuttle and three cone, they were like through the roof times. Just a guy who was, looked like a tight end playing tackle, but had the frame too. He had the Achilles, which might screw up his whole career. We talked earlier about this. I think, did we talk about this with how Achilles injuries are so tough to come back from? Do we ever, I think we discussed that on one of these podcasts, maybe. I mean, they are if we didn't. (laughs) Yeah, Achilles injuries are really, really bad for NFL athletes. But looking back, even without the Achilles, I wouldn't have gotten him. I would have went with a player who is in the division, actually. And he went at number 26 overall, and that's Montez Sweat of the Washington football team. Now, I don't care that I already have Brian Burns at this point. If I have Burns and Montez Sweat on the Giants right now, oh my God, even if you do draft disease for fun, now you have three sick edges, and you can kick one of those guys, Sweat specifically maybe at times, on the inside. Who knows? You can NASCAR package that thing, baby. Third and long NASCAR package with all three of them on the field, plus Leonard Williams. I mean, this defensive line this defense overall would be filthy so those would be my two picks there and then as we move forward to the 2020 draft obviously hindsight in play as you'd mentioned so we don't have daniel jones on the roster and number six overall it is a lock it down throw the book down easiest pick of the draft easiest pick of our lifetime with hindsight justin herbert at number six overall to or i'm sorry number four overall to the giants now non-hindsight assuming that we don't have this and assuming daniel jones is on the roster then it's Tristan Wirfs without a doubt in my mind. I mean, three teams missed on Tristan Wirfs in my mind. Yeah, it's possible he won't be the best tackle of this class. It's unlikely, though. It's possible, but it's unlikely. You ask all the guys who evaluated film, and they say he should have been rookie of the year, let alone was he the best tackle on the rookie class last year. He should have literally been the rookie of the year in the NFC, according to a lot of people who I respect. He was filthy at right tackle for the Bucks. Just filthy. Great in the run game. Great in the pass game. Dominated Cam Jordan, who's one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. And so, uh, yeah, people say, oh, Tom Brady gets rid of the ball pick. No, not really. They run a vertical system there with Bruce Arians, and he was taking a lot more shots downfield than most offense. You know who got rid of the ball quick? Jason Garrett and the Giants, okay? And their tackles didn't look very good even with that. So hindsight, Herbert, otherwise, Wurfs, and this is what I would do. Yeah, that's the fair take right there. That's definitely the fair take uh, with having the time machine. Everything yeah. <laughs> that we everything that we know now, I think you have to go with the uh, Herbert and the and the good old Tristan Wirfs because Wirfs just had such a dominant rookie campaign. Let's hope Andrew Thomas can can stabilize in his sophomore. I think season. he there, will. There were a lot of technical issues, and there were some even down the stretch, but he cleaned up the majority of them. So, you know, I have high hopes for him. I have high hopes for Rob Sale. And like I said, we're cautiously optimistic on this podcast, but there, there's there's a little bit more caution, I think, than, uh, I don't even know, there could be more caution than optimism. Yeah, I think that's fair. I still think he's going to stabilize. I think I'm with you. It's not, you know, I think he'll be a good player for the Giants, maybe even a really good player. I don't think he'll be Tristan Wirfs, though. That's just... No, I, yeah, and I agree with that, but I'm thinking of all five of them. I'm not just talking yeah. about... Th- Thomas is one that I'm, like, more... Like, he... he could regress, but like I'm not as worried about him. I'm right. worried more about kind of everybody else. That's fair. Parrot, Lemieux, uh, Gates. I'm okay with, and then Will Hernandez. I'm I'm not 100 percent sold on, but I, I I think 
he has he has potential that we saw on film back dating back to his college days that just hasn't that hasn't been there consistently in the NFL. I just want to see that consistently. That wasn't just because he was dominating smaller level of competition, non power five competition, maybe, but then he also had an amazing senior Great bowl senior week, bowl, yeah. a good rookie season, and then it's just been downhill since like then. Like a really good rookie season. Like yeah. to the point where he was PFF's twelfth best guard according to their rankings. Like obviously we don't want to just lean on PFF always, but, but we watch the film too. We watch the film too, and the film backed it up. He was great. I don't know what's happened to him. Hopefully he can get better. Um they need they really need a breakout from Hernandez. That would be so cool. That would help so much. Either him or Paired. If either of those two just full breakout, the Giants are gonna be cooking this year, uh compared to what they could be. All right, let's wrap up with a little culinary experience talk. And remember, leave us a review on iTunes, rating there. Follow us on Spotify. Found out now if you follow us on Spotify, if you don't have iTunes, that helps us too. Find us on Instagram, NYBigBootBanter, and on YouTube at BigBootBanter. But we're going to wrap up here. I finally got Nick to get out to my childhood favorite pizza place. I think it's one of the best pizza places in New Jersey. That's Star Tavern in Orange. We've talked about it before. Here's the order. Nick had a little bit of everything. He ate some pizza. I think he had two full slices of pizza. Two bites, yeah. <laughs> no, full slices, I think it was this time. It was, it was. Including both appetizers. So we got an order of the scampi wings. For those who don't know what that means, it's because it's not on the menu. Maybe that's why you don't know. It's buffalo, It's sorry, it's chicken wings, fried, deep fried, and then tossed in shrimp scampi sauce. Phenomenal stuff. Then when you're done, it's a plate full of scampi sauce. You dip the pizza in. We got... A plain pie well done, a pepperoni pie well done, and then kind of a meat lovers type pie well done. And, of course, the star, the famous star fried calamad, as the Italianos would call it. <laughs> so what did you make of all that? Give me a little breakdown of everything. It was good. I mean, I haven't eaten food like that in, in quite a while. My <laughs> system handled it really well, to be honest. Nice. I didn't have any kind of ill effects or anything like that processing cheese. So it was, uh, it was good stuff, to be honest. Uh, I thought it was uh, high quality. But, you know, I was expecting more crust it's a thin crust type of pizza. Yeah, it's a bar pie. That's uh, the, See, that's my favorite kind of pizza, the thin crust, well-done bar pies. You're, you're more, I guess you're a thick crust kind of guy. I, I guess so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I haven't had that in, <laughs> in a very long time. I guess you wouldn't know. It's the real. It's the reality of this situation here. But uh, all right, I, I made would, sure he got there. Oh, and I ran some Murphs afterwards, baby. Oh, uh, did you just go crazy the next day? Oh, yeah, I was burning all that stuff off. I wouldn't be surprised if you ran that night, actually, at like 10 p.m. <laughs> or whatever, when we, when, when we last left you. All right. Thanks again for everyone tuning in. We'll talk to you soon with more updates. Maybe, just maybe, you'll see one or both of us at Giants Fan Fest. It's looking less likely than it was originally, unfortunately. Nick, I think, is work, and he may be a definite out. I probably have something I have to do for work, but I'm trying my best to get out there. We'll see what happens. I'm going to try to get out there, of course. If I do get out there and Nick doesn't, or if we both do or whatever... I'll be tweeting stuff about it, and so I definitely want to meet up with you guys and girls and whoever is listening and who's going to be there. So just hit me up. I'll send some tweets, and I'll look for you guys there. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.